1: I got the man, you know what's interesting about, I was thinking about our interview, that was the day, like the next day, after the day before I'd uh, separated from my ex-wife. And like, I was in such a fireball, like free energy mood. And it was like, I, and it wasn't, had nothing to do with you. So don't get your head all big. But uh, it was like the first time I felt like myself on my podcast, you know, when you start a podcast and you're like, who am I? What am I trying to figure out? Yeah. and you know cuz you and i relate on, on a couple of different things and i felt like you know a lot of people walked away from that interview and they were like man that was like that was a great conversation right and that's what a podcast is about and so uh it says you you uh zoom user on the thing but but let me let me tell you a little bit about my boy here you know, I don't know how to use zoom dog i talk yeah, i talk about you all the time because you know i think a lot of people have excuses about why they don't do this thing and that thing and all that stuff and like you know, you have, I don't even know how many companies you have right now, but you have many, many companies. Uh, You do a lot of deals. You're, you're, you have a lot of people that work with you and you do all of it from your phone. And, you know, everybody needs the right office, the right thing, the right, all this thing, you know, but, but more than anything is what I've taken a lot from you is, is who you are as a, as a dad. And, you know, that to me Means more, and where I want to just dive in right away, and it's it's the thing I tell everybody. I must have told three people yesterday, and I use you as an example. You said you, to me. I was in uh, North Carolina, and you said, "Look, I do want to go build thirty companies, and I also want to buy a thousand acres and disappear." <laughs> like, how do you fight? I'm sure entrepreneurs, when they hear that, they're like, "Oh, I know exactly what he's talking about." How do you fight that kind of what I call the tornado in the mind and
2: body? Oh man. So I have accepted my insanity okay. and I just understand that whenever I'm in this business building mogul, like phase, I'm going to have some scratching at my soul longing for this peaceful, you know, monk life on a lake, simple, no one knows me, you know, life is just pure. But then as soon as I've gone to that comfort before, you know, I've tried to retire three or four times and just disappear and and kind of be done. I'm miserable within three or four days, right? Like, so I've had to just accept that I'm always going to have a little tug and pull between my ambition and my peace. But the reality is when I'm ambitious and I, I call it my brave brain or my scared brain, when I'm operating in my brave brain, I'm happy, you know, like. When I'm in pursuit of something that's worthwhile and difficult, and uh, it challenges me in a good way, and I believe in what I'm working on, that's typically when I'm happiest. And the few times I've I've hit like this tranquil water, and I was really just kind of in comfort mode, um, I, I became like melancholy. I think that's a really good word for it. I was like melancholy. I wasn't depressed, but I wasn't happy. I was just kind of, I was just kind of melancholy, and it—that's not a fun place to be. That's, and you know, my energy, that's not my energy. Mm-hmm. So um, to answer your question, I don't think I'll ever fully commit to one side. I'm going to have this internal tug of war for life. And I've accepted that.
1: Well, the, one of the things that I've seen in my clients and myself lately is there are certain things that I do call it business, call it outreach, call it content, whatever creation that I know that I'm not going to make a lot of money in it, but it makes me happy. And so when yeah. I do those things, I can show up in the places where I need to show up a little more. You know, like I I could tell you, it just happened three times this week, clients, hey, what's your favorite thing to do in the entire world? Man, I love to play golf or I love to fish. When's the last time you did it? I don't know, a couple of years. What's the point? So we have a society that's just, we're always putting the attention on the stuff that makes us money and leaving the things that we forgot about
2: when we were a kid yes. or
1: we were 20, you know? <laughs>
2: I, there's a great book called Die With Zero by I think his name's Bill Perkins. And he talks about like you have these tokens in life that make sense to cash in at certain times. And he uses the example like, hey, the go stay out till 3 a.m. and party and have a blast with my buddies and you know, do that. He goes, if I didn't spend those tokens in that season of life, they're not valuable to me now because I don't want to do it. And then he goes, So when you're 65, if you haven't spent your you're snowboarding and adventure and, uh, Eastern Asia trip. He goes at 70, you might not want to spend those tokens. Like they're, they lose their value. So the token or the money or the time in conjunction with the season you're in in life really matters. And, you know, I see so many people that are empty nesters or, you know, they're older now and like, they have time. Like when you're 50 to 60, dude, you have time. So if you want to go hustle and make money, then you're going to have all the time to do it. Great. But you're not going to have the ability to walk in and see your three-year-old kid. I mean, unless you're laying pipe super late in life and you got a three-year-old at 60. But you have a moment in time in this season where I can really cash in and my tokens are more valuable to spend time with my daughters and my sons and to coach their sports and to stay fit and healthy and to break a sweat every day and to do all the stuff I do. Maybe later, I'm not going to want to. So the season matters.
1: And just to give everybody context that hadn't led to your previous episode, how many businesses do you have currently? Do you know? That's the bigger question. Do you actually know? I have 12.
2: Um, okay. So not businesses. Include it, I have 12, businesses. 12 operating businesses with people and systems and stuff. Yeah.
1: And you have how many kids? I
2: have five kids. I have five okay. kids. I've had two new daughters in the last two years.
1: You have five kids and you're at their baseball games and you're at the soccer games. And so anybody that's listening that heard that goes, I got one and I can barely go to the gym and I can barely do these things. So, you know, impart some wisdom on these people and tell them, like, how are you making this all happen?
2: Well, I just learned that intention really matters. And uh, there's a great book called The Wealthy Gardener. I love that book. And he talks about impact hours. So a lot of people can put hours into something, but can you put impactful hours into something? And I've really become masterful in putting in impactful hours. So most days I work maybe nine to one. I make sure those are the most impactful hours humanly possible. And then I've created standards that after 132, there better be a really good reason that I'm still working Cause otherwise I'm picking up my kids. I'm coaching their sports. I'm loving on my wife. I'm loving on the babies. You see my Instagram. We're in the front yard. We're kicking the ball. We're throwing the baseball. We're pushing the swing. And I've created a standard that once that moment in my day arrives, I'm all in on it. So an impactful hours go both ways. You can have an impactful hour for work. You can have an impactful hour for your family. I can be all in on this podcast right now and give the most impactful hour that I possibly can to my friend, Austin Linney and your listeners intention matters. And I think if people really challenge themselves, they can look at their busy day and 90% of it's bullshit. And now be honest with yourself, say, okay, where's the bullshit? Where am I spinning my wheels and just being busy to be busy? And I have set very clear standards that I do not do that. I do not have wasteful time in my day. Um, I say no to almost everything. Um and the stuff that's meant to get through and get filtered to me and be on my plate, it finds its way. And if it's not, then it's not. I mean, how many times have have you shot me a message and I'm probably a week later, right? And I'll and I respond as if you just sent it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But people make too many um apologies to people when when someone sends me a message, they're not um let me say this the right way. They are not guaranteed my time or attention. They're asking for it. And I can choose to engage or not, but our society has taught us, Oh, someone sent me a message. I better respond right now. So now I'm reacting to someone else's problems and needs instead of saying, if that's important, I will get to it when I get to it. And I, and everyone who's close to me, they understand if it's something urgent, hit me with a fucking red alert, like, yo, like, and people know my heart. If you're, I will do anything for my friends and family. So if you hit me with like a I need you, you'll always get me. But if you hit me with some bullshit that's not that important, well then you might not hear from me for a few weeks or you might never get a response and I'm okay with that. And I think people have to elevate to that because for me to go react to all of these like um exterior needs of me, I lose my impact. I lose my intention. My intention is to go do these things and now that I'm getting picked apart by all these messages and all these needs and all these demands. I can't go be my best self. So I just don't do that. I have very clear standards.
1: No, I love that. And I think that, you know, at the end of the day, you know, when let's say I text you, right, like I'm totally comfortable with the text a week later because I just had to say what I needed to say in that moment. And I know the relationship that we have right now. Now, what's interesting is like I'm in a season of my life where I have clients and, and you know, they have issues or, or they're, you know, stop trying to drink or they're going through divorce or they're looking for a new job. Like they need certain attention. Well, guess what? They've paid me for my time. We have a contract, you know, a life contract and a universe contract. They're going to get top billing, right? And then it kind of filters out down there. Like I've always thought the mind, the mind for me, everybody asks me the same question all the time. How do you do so many different things all at the same time? And I was like, it's a filing cabinet in the mind. And what I've gotten good at is I handle what's in front of me and understand yeah. that my intentionality. I really believe that intentionality in life is everything. Here's the thing. You could mess up seven times in the same week. But if you tried and you learned and you got better, I'm totally fine with that. It's the ones yeah. that don't want the feedback and they're, and they're not intentional at all that's what I'm not okay with. Like, I can't deal with that aspect. And and so when you put like, here's my, here, not in the same context, but I always tell people that are trying to get sober. If your spouse isn't behind that, then she ain't, that's not your spouse. Like if somebody in your life can't get behind that Templeton wants to be the best father he can, then they don't need to be in your circle.
2: Yeah. And I, I think that is a, uh is a 2.0 version of what I just described on people's people's demands on me. Mm-hmm. Well, other people's expectations of who I should be are also theirs to carry, not mine. If you expect me to still be 23-year-old temp going to every happy hour, getting fucked up, well, I'm sorry, you're going to be left with those expectations because that's just not how I operate anymore, right? Or if you have an expectation of me to do or be something that's not in alignment with me, well, you're just not a welcome in my world and that's okay. Right. And like, I think that's where people, anyone listening to this, I hope this gives them permission to live their truth and, and let people in that are supposed to be in and filter people out that are supposed to be out. You don't need to apologize for that. You don't need to apologize for demanding excellence in your circle. You don't need to apologize to demand um, timeliness in your business you don't need to apologize to demand a certain level of thinking in your world mm-hmm. and I always say I leave from the front like you can speak the message but if you if I am the message I don't say anything to anyone that I'm not living you know like if I ask you to go be motivated and work hard well it's pretty easy for me to do that you want to know why because I'm super motivated and I work extremely hard mm-hmm. um so and then one thing I just want to iterate on the first question you said how do i run all these companies i run a who not how model i don't know how to do much and that's that's okay i don't need to know how i need to know who so i've created great partnerships or um symbiotic relationships where i bring value and they bring value and they're they're counterpoints to each other so then they go together really well um and then I hold people accountable to the value that they said they would bring. And I ask them to hold me accountable to the value I'm supposed to bring. And then I set standards around those relationships. So a lot of my businesses for the last two years, I was I was in a really tranquil season. I was only running Monday meetings with my partners or CEOs. And then they did a, the work. I worked on Mondays. It's a little different right now with the real estate market falling apart. So I've been in the weeds again and really trying to lead from the front. But if you set proper expectations, you find a commonality and value that are counterpoints and you set standards around relationships, you can go own 12 companies and work 10 hours a week. So that's what I've done.
1: Thank you for setting me up, you uh, podcast person. So I was going to say, is your business built out of you found the right person? Was it creativity or did you solve a need that you just needed in your business? Or was it all three?
2: It's both. So I really like to... I like to start companies that I know my ecosystem can probably provide enough leads and revenue for, because one of my big value propositions to get in business with me is that I can bring revenue because my social media presence, my community presence in real estate. So if I started, I just started a plumbing company. Well, I have a master plumber named Kenny. He was overworked and underappreciated for many years for the plumbing company that used to do my jobs. And I'd always tell them, hey, when you're ready to do your own thing, you let me know. I was like, I don't know shit about plumbing, but I guarantee you I can get people to pay us money. So that was I don't want to go start a a pen company. Right. Because I don't know anyone that I could influence to buy pens, but I can influence our real estate community here in Phoenix, Arizona. That I am the guy to call for plumbing because Mm -hmm. everyone I know. Knows me, likes me, and trusts me when it comes to real estate. So if I say, hey, guys, I have great plumbing, which I do, now I can go bring value and bring revenue to that company that Kenny can do the work against. But the only reason why I'm doing that business is because I can get people to pay me. If I, if, it's, if it's a pen or it's a chair or some shit, I'm not a very good partner because no one cares if I'm trying mm-hmm. to say, hey, guys, I have a chair company. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm.
1: And what have you found? Um, I was listening to Dan Fleischman and he said that he only starts, they were like, Dan, I don't know how you're invested in like 60 companies. And he was like, I only invest in companies where I have a quarterback. And that's the same thing I tell them. And like, when you find that person, I have an easy thesis. There's a million great plumbers, contractors, carpenters, framers, and they hate the business aspect of it. You handle the back of the house Mm -hmm. and the SEO and the, and the, and the marketing. And they're like, Hey man,
2: I get to go to work and I don't have to worry about all that stuff. Sounds great. Let's go to work. So that's what I've built, man. Each company, I usually bring a wave of business and then I have a parent company and I have a COO and an assistant in that company that help me, you know, so you have this umbrella company that is Templeton. You have Shauna, the COO. You have my dad who works as an executive in that our job, but now you partner with me. Not only do you get Templeton and my vision, my capital, my network, and my ability to bring income, I also have a business structure. The way we run bookkeeping, the way we run P&Ls, we have weekly meetings. We're going to run this like a business, so you're supported to go be the very best wholesaler, flipper, plumber, title company, you know, all these verticals I have. There's a system that you're plugging into with support, Because there's nothing more frustrating. Let's say you partner with me on a business, Austin, and you can't get a hold of me because I'm playing with the kids in the front yard, but you have a need. So I learned I got to have really talented people that can execute the details that are required to go run an efficient business. Um, So it's it's not rocket science, but you do have to have systems, standards, and people. The key places of leverage is always going to be capital, um, software, and people. And and I've done a good job of doing that,
1: I love that, and you know, you and I talk to a lot although I feel like i'm twenty nine about to turn forty, but you and I talk to a lot of young dudes trying to get in the game, whether it be real estate or business and everything. Where do you see them kind of missing the boat when they're when they're getting rolling, especially in a business you know in the real estate wholesale that sells a lot of that gross you know, you're going to make 400,000 a month. Like, where do you see them miss? Like, let's say you're getting started. Where are they missing the boat right off the gate?
2: I think they go too broad. They kind of do a shotgun approach. What I would do is get really great at, I'd be a sniper at one piece of the equation. And I would go bring that value to the biggest fish that was living the life I wanted to live. So if it was me, if it was, uh, Jamil or, or pace or, you know, any of the guys who kind of do what we do or even shoot bigger Ed my or whoever I would figure out what brings value to that person. I'd become masterful at just that piece. I don't need to know how to wholesale. I don't know how to do the contract. I don't know how to sell it, but guess what? I know how to get sellers to raise their hand and say, yes, I will sell my house to a guy like me. You're going to get a lot of my attention because you're bringing this nugget of value. And I know how to cook the rest of the cake. I always say, bring me an ingredient. I'll cook the cake. We'll split the money. But I think so many people, they try to be a master of the whole situation. That's too, they're not very good at it. So they're scattered. They're not focused. They're not having impactful hours. And then they're greedy. I brought all my deals for the first couple of years to like one of the biggest guys in town. I just mentioned him, Jamil. He took half the money and he and I just watched and I learned. And in the process, I made hundreds of thousands of dollars. It was great. But I wasn't counting the money I was letting him make. I was just like thankful for it. I was like, oh, this is an education. I'm earning and I'm learning, and then I call it R and D, rip off and duplicate, baby. If I if someone's doing something, that is only proof of concept that I can go do it too. I learn the recipe, and then once I know the recipe, I can put my own hot sauce on it because I'm a different cat. Like I I move in a different way than a lot of people, but I gotta learn the fundamentals. And now that I know the fundamentals, now I can put that temp hot sauce on there and make it my thing. So they're uh, they they got to have humi- They gotta have humility. I would go tied to a bigger boat. I would get masterful at a single thing and bring so much value. I had a guy on my podcast, Heart Melter, last week. His name's Byron Brown. Big attorney, he's tatted everywhere. He's got billboards all over the city. He's crushing it. And he said, the easiest way to become rich is to make a rich man richer. And I can't agree more.
1: No, I love that. And now we're gonna shift into a selfish part about, about life. And mindset and all that stuff, which I know you love talking about.
2: Yes, the
1: I say that the secret power of an entrepreneur is, that everybody reads the books and they talk about what we can accomplish, what we can do. Right for your personality, your identity. I think it comes down to deciding early on what you won't do. And I think I think that when you when you cross that bridge, right, there's a lot of things that you're very good at but I also know you well enough to know there's a lot of things that you're really not going to pay attention to or good at. And I think a younger guy, myself included, I, I know I was this way. Now let me get right. Let me, let, let me, let me learn everything. And, and I still learn enough to be dangerous, but when it comes to mindset, it's like kind of back to your point, what you just made about like getting extremely sniper ish on like, what would it look like if you were the best guy in the world that said thing, like people's going to find value in that. And I know as a connector, because you are and I am, it's a, it's a hard road to find, you know, an avenue where that makes you money, right? And at first you're doing it for years free. What switched for you in a mindset department and what kind of like elevated you into the next realm that you found the most growth in your own self?
2: In regards to... I just, just want to make sure. Mindset,
1: I'm- like when you started out, you were just a wholesaler, and now you own twelve companies. Like, where has been yeah. the biggest growth for you
2: uh, in in your personal life? Um, so for me, I understood that I am compounding the right way or the wrong way daily, with through my habits. Right? Show me your habits, and I'll show you your life. And the guy, the man I was at twenty five, was not capable to carry the responsibility and load that I carried at thirty. The, the man I am today at 35, I look back at my responsibilities at 30 and I laugh. I'm like, that was light, but it felt heavy at the time because I was only developed to that point. Um, I'm sure the man I am at 40 is going to look at me at 35 and be like, oh, you silly goose. That wasn't that hard, right? Like, um, but I'm compounding into the man that can become great, right? And and carry the, the responsibility that is on me. Um, your question of how i went from that wholesale just wholesale to now 12 things i i developed into the man that could carry the load so doing that i developed great habits i got i got a, one of the biggest things i had to do and and i know you can speak to this better than anyone i got my arms around alcohol i i i i'm not sober but dude i have the healthiest relationship that i can possibly have with alcohol I'm in a great spot. I had to figure that out. Health. I got fat for a little bit. I had to make sure I could get healthy. Um, What am I consuming? What circles am I around? What situations am I putting myself in? You solve that. Um, Now I'm always learning. I'm a sponge, right? I'm reading the book. I'm going to the mastermind. I'm making the relationship. So go figure. I've learned a few things and I have the habits that these learnings can stand on. People understand you can go learn it all, but if you don't have habits that the education can stand on, you have nothing. So I became a habit-driven individual that was dialed, that now this education that I've learned how to structure companies, how to raise capital, how to um, just run profitable endeavors, those are standing on the shoulders of great habits. And I became that guy. So when I, when I think about mindset, how did I go from the wholesaler to the 12 companies? I developed, I developed into the guy that could lead from the front. And then more specifically to your question, I put the blinders on that anything that wasn't me, dude, I only have a phone. I don't know how to write a contract. I don't know if an email is too long. I don't read it. I don't, dude, I, I know what I do. I drive revenue, I cast the vision, I lead people well, and and I I charge forward. And off of that comes all this opportunity that smarter people than me, or who's, not how's, the who's can understand how to support that vision and come with me. Um, that's what I've done well. I focus on probably 2%. Let's say there's 100% of success. I focus on 2%. Mm-hmm. And that's deal structure, negotiating, and leading everything else the how will temp well how are we going to do the work i i don't know how mm-hmm. but ask me about the two percent i know how to do that so now in these 12 companies i'm really only running two percent of it and i'm great and i'm masterful at it and everything else i'm not even fucking thinking about i don't i don't worry about the other 98 percent because that's someone else's job to worry about i'm going to be the best two percenter that you and but my two percent is super valuable
1: Yeah, I I had an epiphany two weeks ago because we had a rough 90 days with a bunch of stuff, just deals and people and all that kind of bullshit, people screwing me over and all that stuff. Um, If me, myself is not healthy uh, in a a good headspace, I'm not taking care of myself, I'm not in a joyful mood, uh, good or not, I am the Pied Piper for my companies and my partners. And so I realized regardless of what I know, regardless of what I'm learning, it's more important for me to invest in myself to be the healthiest, best version of me with the most energy, the best smile, the laughing, the fun. If I'm that guy, then that permeates through everybody that I touch, every employee, every input. And so that I realized that that comes, that value prop for me, it's number one now above everything else. And ever since yep. I've been in a better mood, I just had a client text me and he's like, hey, you weren't in a bad mood, but whatever's going on now, he's like, I can tell that you're like feeling it. Like you're in the, your zone of genius. You're, you're it was like that aha moment where like you can go learn all the books, but you have to look at your value. Like you said, you're 2% of what that means to the overall thing. And you have to feed into that or and not worry about the other stuff.
2: I, I love that, man. I always tell like I tell my sons, you know, we, we focus a lot on mindset, and who we want to become as young men and who daddy wants to be. And I always tell him, I say, boys, I could walk in the Phoenix Suns locker room right now and I could be the best at three things in a world class locker room. I could be the best at three things. And they're like, no, you couldn't. I'm like, I could. I said, daddy could be the best in one of the you actually take the USA Olympic team. I could be the best at three things on that basketball team. And they're like, no way, dad. What? And I'm like, I could have the best Mm -hmm. attitude, I could have the most energy, and I could give the most effort. I can control those three variables. Doesn't mean I'm gonna be great or or make that team, but I could be the best at those three things. And I think people underestimate the energy. Like if you have energy, man, it's contagious. That's how I've won. Is I have a good time, right? Like I'm a goofball. I buy old Cadillacs every fucking six months and my wife gets mad and I make these silly videos and I have a good time. Dude, life is meant to be enjoyed. It's meant to be lived. It's meant to be vulnerable. It's meant to have your heart wide open. And guess what? Sometimes you get a knife stuck in and it hurts. But now that gives you a juxtaposition of what, how, when it's sweet, you only know how sweet something is is when you know how sour it is. So even I'm insane, bro. Like when I'm going through heartache, I'm like, dude, feel this. I almost smile. I'm like, ah, uh, right now, dude, I'll probably lose a quarter million bucks in the next 90 days
1: mm-hmm.
2: because you got to rip the bandaid off on some of these deals. And, and and granted, that's not my only venture. So don't, you know, don't worry. I'm going to be just fine. I've planned and prepared for this. But I have, I had a, a day where I was like, woe is me. This is, then I was like, Tim, what are you going to do? hmm. This is part of it. This is fun, What's man. What's the
1: option? What's the other option here, boys? I'm a terrible employee. We're here. <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm unemployable.
2: Like, what are we going to do? So it's like, okay, now I go into just like, let me see. You, know
1: you know what I've done now? This is great. And, and I don't know how I got here. And I'm going to be 100% honest. Might have been, might have been sponsored. But, but, but when I have a drought or let's say I have a rough patch, I tell myself the same thing about 70 times a day. This is the universe asking you if you're gonna let your emotions get the best of you. It's asking yeah, you man. to step to the next level. Are you gonna Are you gonna feed into it? Or are you gonna, Ed Milet says, you gotta outlast the temporary.
2: Yeah, man, I mean, I love that. And I think that has been my number one thing lately is just showing up, putting my shoes on and doing the work, right? Because sometimes like I have deals that are just stuck in the mud. They're not getting better. You just have to get through them. And that's not fun. Because, you know, what was fun these last three years making 500 grand a month and fucking going crazy. We're like, this is insane. So now you're on this down streak and you just, you know, the greatest gift that you can give yourself in life is perspective. If you have perspective, you can look at anything and go, gosh, I'm thankful for what we had. But now that we're going through this gridlock of a real estate market, nothing's moving. It gives me perspective to say, oh, wow. If and when we ever get back there, I have some learnings because we had fat, like we were running too fat. So we Mm -hmm. I'm thankful for this slowdown because it it showed me so many holes in my system that I was like, oh, I gotta go fix this. Like this is a blessing. Now I know I this market identified to to me where I had some holes. All right, let me go solve those. Um, so nothing is happening to me. It's all happening for me. And I know we've all heard that cliche saying, but it's so true. Perspective, man, is a gift. And then the other thing dude, I am healthy. I can run. I can breathe. I, dude, I do 50 rock climbing pull-ups every day. I'm in cold water. My wife is a freaking smoke show. My kids are healthy and so dope. Like money is just a, it, it's just a, a byproduct of me being happy. Mm-hmm. I love so, it. So I don't know when I go to that, I'm like, fuck okay, it. I'm straight. We're going to wrap it up with, uh,
1: uh, I'm going to tell a little story uh and you remember some of it but you probably don't remember all of it because who would remember everything they said but uh so uh I, i you talked on some mastermind i was a part of and you were goofy and you were funny and i was like i gotta i gotta meet this i gotta meet this crazy mother so uh so um i saw that you came to uh san antonio and uh i was working and I knew the bar that you were at. So uh, my boy was the manager. So I sent over some drinks and you're like, you call me and you're like, oh, you crazy son of a bitch. Like you sent over some drinks, like this is crazy. And then we met and you know, whatever, we met for a little while. And then uh, I was like, you know, you were running, I think you were running like two or three businesses at the time. And I was like, man, like I would really love to see how you like do all that stuff. Cause like over here I'm running Airbnb and I'm working. And you were like, yeah, come out here. And this was in like September. And then you are like, man, you know I'm just busy right now like I can't do it. And that's October. And then we get to November and can't do it. And like November, December, you're like, can't do it. And then like, it was like my birthday and I like bought a plane ticket. And I was like, I'll be there on the January 5th, like figure it out. And you're like, okay. And like, so then I show up, I meet you at the gym at 5.00 AM. And like, I'm just, you know, I'm fired up and I'm like, I spent the whole day with you. And uh, it was 3.30 in the afternoon. We had just seen the last flip. We're driving down right to Chandler uh, downtown. I remember like it was yesterday. And I'm telling you, you know, I must have shot like 70 business ideas at you that day. And you said, um, hey, man, you know what would be amazing? He's like, what would be amazing if you shut the fuck up and I don't hear from you. Wait for it. (laughs) I don't hear from you for six months. And then I look up on Instagram and I'm like, oh damn. Austin put in that work and created one of those ideas. And I just sat there with my mouth like down on the ground. And I was like, damn, that was hardcore, but it was true. And then we went into we went into the was we went into the restaurant shop. And this was before I got separated. And you really like threw me up against the stake. And you were like, hey man, like is this really like the life that you want to be living? Like, are you fucking happy? Like for real, for real, for real, like no bullshit, no posturing. Like, is this really what the fuck you want? And like, I sat there and like full disclosure, like I cried like for like 45 minutes and I will single-handedly tell you that that day changed my fucking entire life. Like the fucking $450 that I spent. Right you know, we, we, we got one business under contract, got another one. That's probably going to come in today. You know, I've done this. I built this It's from that situation where i realized that my mouth had all the talking, but the feet weren't moving. And like, it takes a true person to really like, I mean, you did not have to say that, but like, that's the way you felt. And like, in that moment, like I walked away from that day, like a changed person, because it,
2: I think a lot of 20 year olds need to hear that. Yeah, I get full chills on that. And I dude, I remember that like it was yesterday, because that was a special day, you showed up in that old caddy, like you were you Austin Linneyed the day, which I say that I use that as an adjective in a great way. So you made yourself memorable, you imposed your will on it, right? And it was just a great day. But that was our first time we spent a lot of time. And I, I was just like, gosh, man, if you don't get impactful on, on, a, on a thing, you're gonna, you know, so I challenge you. And I always say, like, the best friends, the best circles to be in are the people that would say, Temp, what's up, man? You're you're slacking. Or Temp, you've been talking about doing that for two years, and you ain't done shit. I want relationships that that can tell me the hard truth instead of yes, man, right? Like, oh, man, mm-hmm. Temp, you're t- – no, if I'm not doing it, don't tell me I'm doing it. And it's, it's hard. I've had to learn that okay. – it is more loving to tell the truth, even when it's hard, than it is to give people half truths or just like. I know you got to go, but you got you got two minutes. You got two minutes. Yeah, well, my want... phone is at my phone's at three percent. So we okay. have. Okay, I'll get it. I'll get it. I'll no, get no, it no, No, no don't go. No, go. Keep going. You, you but you if have, I disappear, you haven't. If I you disappear, my phone's but, at three percent. But you haven't heard this story before.
1: I'm gonna tell as quick as I can. But so just guys, know, if I go away, it's not because <laughs> I want to. It's because my shit died. I just started my coaching career. I had one client and I couldn't sign my second client to save my fucking life. Like yeah, it was months. And uh, I mentioned something to you about it. And you were like, hey, uh, I just Venmo you money. You're coaching me tomorrow at this time. And I was like, fuck you, I am. And he's like, it's already in your Venmo, get over it. Like we're doing four sessions. And I was in Florida. And I'm literally like shitting my fucking self. I'm like, this guy makes like 80,000 a, a month. What the fuck am I going to tell him? Like, I, I'm literally like want to throw up. I'm so nervous, but I like psych myself up for it. And like, we talked the whole time and I'm like, I'm not going to be able to bribe, I'm not going to be, able, and like, and then like I said something at the end of our call and you like leaned back and you were like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. And, and I'll say it again that moment changed my life because now I have seven multi-million dollar clients that make seven, five million. And I realized I don't have to coach their business. I just have to coach them.
2: And it changed my dude, life. That was power. And sometimes you just need a friend or someone to believe in you. Cause dude, I saw it in you like, dude, your energy and your ability to to expand people's mind and have them thinking freely and and big and ambitious and be in their brave brain is unparalleled. You're, you're incredible at it. But sometimes we have that imposter syndrome before we actually have evidence of success. So me sending you that money and saying, Hey, coach me, was just giving you that evidence of success. Like, dude, you are this person. The world doesn't know it yet, but it is who you are. And those four Mm -hmm. sessions were great for me, man. I loved it. And, and, and you're, it, I think it just gave you proof of concept, like, "Oh, you are that's that said. special."
1: Dude, you are I tell everybody, I tell everybody, you make that first dollar out of your W two, your life will never be the same again. It's as simple as that. It's just dude, proof it's of concept, insane. baby.
2: It's done. You're like, what? You know what I love about you, dude? You're so tenacious on like action. The the thing that's cool about you is like, like this podcast. Remember, I think God, it was two years ago you launched. Yeah, I've never seen someone make more content and just push and be consistent on their actions. Have you fallen off at all on this thing? No,
1: I've I- done, I've done between what I've done and what i produced, I've done 700 podcasts in two and a half years. It's
2: fucking insane, no one does that.
1: No, and That's- here's the deal. I lost an excitement for it and I took off two months. I needed a fucking break, man. I just needed to get my creativity back. And now that I'm back, I'm like, dude, I, I realize why I got it. Because the one thing you can't discount is consistency.
2: Consistency is like a buzzsaw to everything. Consistency is the greatest antidote to resistance. There's a great book by Stephen Pressfield called um, "The War of Art," not "The Art of War" by Sun Tzu. The war, the war of art, and he talks about like your greatest self, that artist in you, will always butt up against the most powerful fucking thing in the world, which is resistance. And if you have consistency, it can cut through resistance. Because you never know when resistance is going to break. But you have to push against it and push against it and push against it. And then, boom, your dream Mm -hmm. and your art can pop through. But The the
1: dam of life is waiting to break the moment Mm -hmm. that you don't break.
2: Hey, mic drop. (laughs) I just came up with that right there. (laughs) Dude, put that on the with me. I love uh, it. Dude, I love people. If people, people
1: want to, I love you. But if people want to find out about you, how would they do that before your phone dies?
2: Uh, Instagram's usually the best. Instagram and YouTube. So Templeton Walker on YouTube, and then Templeton underscore Walker on Instagram. Uh, one of my companies called White Label Studios. I have the Nerds. I got these four young young kids. I rented them a five thousand square foot house in Gilbert, Arizona. This thing's like a mansion. This thing is sick. We got ten sets set up. They are living, working, and breathing content. I'm kind of the this. guinea pig. So dude, it's a content house and these, and they, they told me to call them the nerds, but they are so fucking smart, talented, hardworking young kids. Imagine living with your friends, making good money and, and hanging out with a guy like me filming content all day. Um, so YouTube just be ready. I'm really trying to, there's two ways to build business. You either build business and then you can go chase influence or you can chase influence and then try to go build business. And I think the latter is harder. So I'm so thankful I have real business because influencers, what they want to do is make money, but influence doesn't just lead the money. You have to have a business. Well, what's awesome about what I've done is I have businesses that pay me a bunch of money. So now I'm just trying to gain influence to put gasoline on that fire, but there's already a fire burning. So, um, and I think I've understood that like, as my influence grows, it's easier to start whatever the next venture is because the revenue is built into that captivated audience. So, I'm excited for that. Um, Instagram, Templeton underscore Walker, and then YouTube. I'll have good stuff there. And I will be consistent in the the posting of it because I ain't going nowhere. That's right.
1: Guys, if you got some value from this episode, send it to a friend. We'll see you next time. Thank you so much.